1: Welcome to Nailing the Apex, everyone. I'm Tim Horaney. Please head on over to Spotify, give us a five star rating, and a follow. Same goes with Apple Podcasts. You can watch us on YouTube. You can follow me on social media at Tim Horaney. Joining me is Adam Wild. Uh, Adam, did you uh, stay up uh, to watch the Japanese Grand Prix live?
0: No, <laughs> no, no. I have my <laughs> daughter, and I know she'll be up at like seven o'clock. So uh, I got up, uh, I tried to get up a little bit early, watch a little bit of it. And then I set her up with a uh, a bowl of Cheerios and uh, and uh, some some My Little Pony and uh, and that's what I did. That's that's how I managed to watch it. But you know, thank goodness for F1 TV. It's yeah. it's it honestly is of all the major sports, F1 has the easiest viewing experience because you just pay the subscription, you watch when you can. Because a lot of us are parents and we can't. And uh, and and then the great thing is you just kind of stay off social media because if I if I log into my social media, it would have blown the whole race for me. Uh, which, by the way, did not turn out too badly for my boys in <laughs> orange. Did it?
1: Did it? <laughs> as soon as you popped on the screen, you have like your orange McLaren out on, and I'm like, That's Adam's right. Adam's jacked up for the Fired second up. and third placement. Listen, Jack. You
0: know when you go from what is it? What did they finish in in uh, Jetta? Like 17, 18, oh, and the oh, other two bad. cars
1: behind them were
0: DNFS. Like, yeah, it, it was bad. This is amazing. This is what yeah. a, what a turnaround in one season. Amazing.
1: Uh, let's touch on, let's go to Red Bull first. We'll talk about them off yeah. the hop, uh, Red Bull racing, winning their, uh, sixth constructors title with Max Verstappen taking the win on Sunday in Japan. Um, Adam, I mean, Verstappen absolutely smashed everyone this weekend in practice, uh, especially in qualifying mm-hmm. and then also, uh, in the race as well. I mean, it was just a complete weekend from him and from the team. But I think like at the, it's a statement win, right? Because of what had happened in, in, in Singapore. I mean, just, you knew that he, he like coming into this weekend, he was going to be uber focused and he was just going to dominate everybody.
0: Absolutely. I think, uh, um, you know, there was that mini controversy about some something with the flexi floors that F1 yep. had flagged and and oh is this going to slow down Red Bull and I have to be honest I was I was like man what if it does like that'd be kind of cool to see just a, a fight to the finish but Max was he was his his usual self today and and it's funny you know every time he wins people complain about it being boring first off if that's the way you look at Formula One you're looking at it the wrong way it's not yeah. just about who wins it's about how everybody places yeah uh, it is obviously majority about who wins but still uh, the, beyond that I think. Uh, I, I think that it's greatness is repetitively boring. Like when you're in the midst of greatness, when you're watching it happen, um, it's, it's, uh, it, it, it can be predictable because it's great because you, th- there's, they're so good that you expect them to win. Like you look there, at, uh, Ayrton Senna, I'm sure in his day when he was winning all those races, especially that one race year, that year where, you know, McLaren won every race, I think, except for one, Yeah,
1: eighty-eight.
0: Um, yeah, 88. I'm sure people were complaining about it. I'm sure they were saying, this is boring. I can't believe this. The, the sport's got a real problem. You know, a decade later, when Michael Schumacher and, and Ferrari are winning everything all the time, same thing. Um, but I got to say, like, you know, we're going to look back on this this year with Max Verstappen and, and Red Bull and go, this is one of the greatest seasons anyone's ever put together. And we're very lucky to be watching it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Verstappen, you had mentioned the technical directive. Silverstappen was asked about that. Uh, post qualifying he said quote we had a we had a bad weekend in singapore of course then people start talking about that it's all because of the technical directives i think they can go suck on an egg <laughs> <laughs> he said i was just very fired up to have a good weekend here and make sure that we are strong mhm and they were yeah or one was one of them was yeah sergio obviously struggling uh mightily this weekend we'll get to that in a minute um I just want to talk about the start of this race because it was pretty funny. I mean, Verstappen and both Piastri pull up to their grid boxes, and they both have their cars like pointing at each other. All the
0: time. Yeah, oh yeah.
1: <laughs> I had like glimpses of like Senna, Prost in nineteen ninety. I believe it wasn't a turn one, and that's actually something that Lando had said post qualifying was that the only way that you know they were going to come away with a win or get into the lead is if Piastri pulled off a Senna Prost uh, turn one incident. And, almost, um, well, it almost
0: looked like Lando had it there. Even even if he'd held it for a, a lap, it would have been cool.
1: Oh, yeah, for sure. I mean, it would have been like the British Grand Prix uh, start all over again, right? I mean, I think one of the things that you know, Verstappen did so well off that start was just obviously being pretty aggressive with Piastri, taking him to the grass kind of thing, and, and then holding the line once he got into turn one and turn two. And... For lando, I mean, just not enough grip there for him to go around the outside like that, but at the end of the day, I mean he gave it a shot mm-hmm. um I think like one of the interesting things with this whole win and when we look at like verstappen's like body of work for this entire weekend he didn't make one single mistake all weekend he didn't make one mistake in the race I mean sometimes we We do kind of see that Canada, uh, that comes to mind. Spa also comes to mind, and there are a few others as well. This one, Adam, he was like he was ultra precise with everything, even in qualifying. Like I've never, I've never seen a qualifying lap at Suzuka, um, especially sector one, that impressive. Like ever, it was. I don't know if you got to watch qualifying. Oh yeah, oh yeah, one
0: hundred percent. Every week, every every GP I'm watching. His, um, his
1: pole lap man was absolutely incredible like, well and to
0: put it was it was at 128 in the 128 or something yeah 1288 yeah. like that i mean it's got to be close to the theoretical best right like there's yeah, it, there's no right way on right on right yeah. so you know that that's the thing the guy's walking on water he just has so much confidence in that car uh and he should it's a really well built car um but you you can see what happens when a very good driver takes a car like that versus him
1: yeah Oh, and, absolutely.
0: You know, Sergio's a very good driver. I think the unfortunate part of how good Max is is how bad Sergio is somehow being portrayed to be. Uh, Sergio's a normal F1 driver, which is, he's still among the probably 10 best in the world, 15 best in the world. Um, I mean, clearly 20 best, but you know what I'm saying? Like, if you were to yeah. rank them, they all drove a car that fit their specifications. I think Sergio's in the top 10 every time. Uh, but at the end of the day Max is just on a different plane this is greatness and I, I that lap was crazy because you know he it looked like he might be under pressure by a couple of the mclarens and obviously not even not even a little bit you know
1: I mean Sergio did make mention after the quality that you know what Max was doing and the lap that he had put together was was special you know Sergio was eight tenths off I believe it wasn't in, mm-hmm. in qualifying um and then yeah getting into the race for him like just a real tough weekend for him picked up that five second uh penalty for his collision uh with Haas he also had the collision off the start um they eventually the team retired the car but then sent him back out
0: to later. Serve
1: yeah to serve that penalty so they didn't carry it over to Qatar so what would have happened is if they didn't serve the penalty there they would have got a grid penalty in Qatar just a horrible weekend for Sergio all around I mean, Mm -hmm. off the pace, uh, literally, you know, doing, you know, running into other drivers. I mean, the the move on Magnuson, I mean, the the stuff at the start of the race, look, I get that. I mean, that stuff, stuff happens, but the. The move on Magnuson just was not on Adam. Like it just, I don't know what he was thinking in that moment. Like there's no way he was moving, making that pass happen. Well,
0: no. And and you're committing to something where you know the the driving line's going to disappear. Yeah. Right. It doesn't matter how wide that Magnuson is. He's coming in deep. Um. And all he would have really had to do is, I was thinking, looking at that. I mean, he could have head faked him a little bit, got a little close, and got Magnuson to overcommit to trying to cut him off, and then gone around him the other way. And I think it speaks to, you, Tim, and, and you always kind of talk about this with me when we're talking about driving off of, uh, offline and not on the air, is confidence. You know, and I feel bad for Sergio because he had such a great start. He should be confident. He does have the talent, but the confidence just does not seem to be there. And when you're not confident and you're taking risks, you usually take the wrong ones.
1: Yeah, 100%. I think, like, you're just trying, like, for Sergio, just kind of feels like and looks like trying too hard. Yeah. Yes. You know, one of the things that like we're with with motorsports is that, you know, the harder you try um, like forcing things, especially with the car, the slower Mm -hmm. you end up going. That that always is the way. So it's called overdriving. So when you start overdriving the race car, you always go slower. You never go faster. And it just looks like that frustration of overdriving because every driver has moments of that because when you're in the car you're just so like you're so much adrenaline there's so much aggression that like it just happens and so i think for for sergio that definitely a tough week i mean there's people online saying like well this is the last race for sergio perez in a red bull i mean it's not the last race for sergio perez in a red bull like relax like no i mean i think like at, at the end of the day that that's why they've you know they signed both Yuki Sonoda and Daniel Ricardo for 2024 in that AlphaTauri seat, and they've also got Liam Lawson now, who's going to be that reserve driver, test driver for both teams, Red Bull and AlphaTauri. Mm-hmm. Just kind of keeps that, it keeps it keeps everybody sort of honest, right, Adam? Like, well, the competition's crazy.
0: And it, it it strikes me, Tim, considering that Liam Lawson had points last year, he, or last year, last uh, last race, and. Just outside of the points today, and and just outside of the points, his first race, he was he's been really really solid. Um, it looks like Red Bull Red Bull both teams are built for somebody to move, mm-hmm. you know, and it's like they they did it that way on purpose. Something's got to give. So who's it going to be? And I, I wonder, you know, with Yuki and Daniel at at you know Hugo Boss or Adidas or whatever the Alphatari brand is going to become after this, I kind of wonder about uh, Sergio and Liam. Like, if if this happens, let's say the last five races that Sergio Perez has had happens to start next year. You start in Melbourne, it's a DNF, and then, you know, Jetta, it's, you know, a seventh place or something like that, or the qualifying isn't there, taking too many penalties. His pit stops have been great. We know that. He's been, you know, probably him and Lando have been two of the best. Um, I wonder if you start to hear the rumors about Liam Lawson, because I think Yuki... Uh, Yuki's great where he is. As soon as the car gets picked up, I think you're going to see Yuki Tsunoda full power, and he's going to be great. Um, we know that Daniel Ricciardo can put in crazy laps on that Red Bull car already, the one that Max is driving, and that's set up for Max. Um, I kind of wonder if... um I w- I wonder if they they move Daniel up to the big team or they keep him at the other team because he's marketing dollars and Liam Lawson's the guy that that can can make the switch. I don't know what they would do, but I think if this sort of trajectory continues, it's a very good chance next year their title could be under threat in the first, you know, four or five races and they're going to have to make a call. mm
1: mm-hmm. Mhm. Yeah, no, I agree with you. I think like if if this continues into next season for Sergio and then you've got um McLaren and Mercedes and Ferrari and potentially Aston Martin mm-hmm. breathing down the necks of Red Bull next season, which is possible that could happen. I mean, for those out there that's saying oh, there's no way, I mean, I that I tend to disagree and I disagree strongly. We, you just take a look at what McLaren's done this season. It's mm-hmm. never seen anything like it before ever um that means you're going to need a strong number 2 at Red Bull Racing and if it's if Sergio can't figure it out and just sort of get it together and get that confidence with the car then yeah you're Red Bull Racing you have to look at making the best decision for the team for your number 1 driver i mean cuz that's the way Red Bull runs right adam they have a number 1 and they have a number 2 it's just just the way it is right mm-hmm. and i think that's Probably one of the smarter ways to go when you're running a Formula One team and especially when you have a talent like, like a Max Verstappen. But when you look at what Lawson has done over these past few races, it's extremely remarkable. He's right oh, on yeah. pace like with Yuki Sonoda. He's been off doing super formula. It's a totally different car. Like he's barely been in this Alpha Tauri First time he really first time he stepped into it was at the Dutch Grand Prix. It's not an easy thing to do to just get into an F1 car or, or any type of formula car and make it go fast right away. It takes time to like learn it, understand it. What is it like? What doesn't it like? Mm-hmm. And that takes time, not 10 laps in a practice session and then you're getting thrown into a wet quality or whatever. I mean, and, a,
0: and a not a great car.
1: No. And so I just think you're for Red Bull. They finally have a direction for their, driver pipeline where we go back to like 2020 2021 you know and they're chewing up drivers like it's nobody's business pierre gasly comes in gone has a cup of coffee alex albin comes in has a cup of coffee he's gone and then they're like well we don't have any other drivers we don't know who we're gonna partner up with with max and so Mm -hmm. the stuff situation happens with racing point where they want to bring in sebastian vettel perez loses that seat and so Red Bull goes, taps him on the shoulder, hey, come on over. And but that's a driver that's not in the pipeline. Yeah, yeah. And so now I think they've restructured it where they they're starting to get back to that. Like they're mm-hmm. starting to get back to bringing their bringing their drivers, their talent up again. And so it's a really smart move. And, and obviously, Lawson's you know not going to like it, and it sucks. And like for him, he's definitely going to be pissed, and he should be. But I think at the end of the day, that's going to keep him hungry, right?
0: Well, I think it, at the end of the day too, Tim, to, to echo that, not just hungry. I think he's racing next year. I think he's just going to mm-hmm. race halfway through the year. I, I really, I really do think that he's coming in next year at some point. Um, And I wonder about, and again, it all goes back to Perez because unfortunately he's the man under fire, but it, I think unfortunately, you know, with, with, with Daniel's hand breaking um, it's going to take him a couple weeks to get back into that car and get can get situated. So I'm not, I don't have high, if he does make an appearance at Qatar, I don't, I don't have like high hopes. I'm not going to hinge his season on it, but his last five races of the year are going to be really important. Max. And his first five next year are going to be mega important yeah. because if he races well, the logical thing to do for Red Bull is to have him race with Max. If they, fi- if they figure out that Sergio's not their guy, that he can't cut it or whatever it is having a veteran guy come in, knowing that he's not going to be a title favorite, but knowing he can push Max, he might win a couple races here. He knows the car. He knows the team. He's beloved. And, hey, he's great marketing too. Um, could probably soften Max Verstappen's image, to be honest. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I I think all of those things feel like really good for Daniel. And I know that you know there's a lot of people, there are a lot of Daniel haters on the internet because there's a lot of people that love Daniel. Um, but Liam Lawson, going head-to-head with Max Verstappen, uh, we've seen... We saw what it did to Gasly. Yeah, we I saw tried. what it did to Yeah, it doesn't it's to Albon. Albon lasted a season and a half, I think, right? Like he was pretty yep. good. Yep. But then now he's not even in the system, I don't think. And and yep. you know, he's with Williams doing a great job, but I think at the end of the day, you you want experience. Like the the you know, Mar- Mark Webber and Sebastian Vettel are sort of the best uh, the best sort of carbon copy of this. Mark Webber, you know, if you read his book, Truly believed he could win the championship, and he Mm -hmm. came pretty damn close. Mm -hmm. Um, But Sebastian Vettel was the young, upstart, unbelievable talent driver. And the reason it worked is because after that one year where they were sort of neck and neck, Mark knew his place. And it didn't mean that he wasn't going to challenge him, and it didn't mean that he wasn't going to fight for everything that he got. But Mark Webber knew Mark Webber's pecking order on that team. It pissed him off. but what are you going to do? And, and I think Daniel would be a lot more comfortable with it. Cause he'd probably just be happy to be there. You know, what a, what a change of fate if he ends up with the, with the Red Bull big team.
1: And really the only driver at Red Bull who's ever really challenged him at the big team. I mean, yes. Carlos, not, not saying anything bad about Carlos Sainz. He, he did challenge Max at Toro Rosso when they were teammates, but the only driver to really challenge Max at Red Bull racing was Daniel Ricardo. Mm-hmm. That's just the way it, it is. I mean, I think like, it's a smart move. I agree with you because I don't think you put Liam Lawson into the big team and just have Max, you know, eat him up and spit him out. Like it's yeah. just not going to be good for the confidence. And you're not going to build, you're not going to build your pipeline of drivers by doing that. You have to really just nurse the younger drivers along. And it's a tough car to drive. You can't ask him to like go and like jump in a car. Yeah. Or like that. I mean, the alpha tower is a little bit different, right? I mean, it's not the. they are sort of similar, but for the most part, you're, you would be asking him to jump in a, a difficult car to drive. I mean just I mean Sergio's a great driver. There's no question about it. I mean he's even he's struggling. It's not mm. like Sergio doesn't know how to race or drive a race car or qualify a race car or, or manage tires or whatever. He's been doing this forever. Like it's just a tough car to to really wring its neck and Max is able to to do that. And so yeah, I think it would probably be smarter to move Daniel up into the big team. Either mm-hmm. next season or season season after when when Sergio's contract ends, and then you yeah. put Liam into that Alpha Tower situation.
0: And you you look at the environment that Red Bull has, right? Um like Oscar Piastri's come into McLaren, they've welcomed him in. He's had a really good time like he's had a really good um pace that's gotten better and better and better each weekend. He's a rookie, he's now finishing on the podium, it's amazing. I wonder what Oscar Piastri would look like at Red Bull. And I wonder what kind of season or what kind of confidence he would have. Because McLaren is very clearly, we want you both to succeed. Red Bull, rightly, is like, we're going to put our support behind Max. That seems like the right thing to do here. And I just feel like, yeah, it, it's, it, it would be hostile for anybody except for Daniel. Because, you know, uh, we know that there's politics there. The Verstappen team is not going to play mind games with Daniel Ricardo. They like they like each other. Like it's just it just seems like a perfect fit. Eventually, do you think Sergio makes it through next year? Do you think they really care that they have a contract with Sergio through twenty four? Like they keep bringing it up, but it's yeah. like, I mean, they have so much money. Do they care about paying out a driver?
1: Yeah, I think so. I, I they think they, they. I think they care to have Sergio there for sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, it's not like look, like if you look at the be- the beginning of of the season, you know, Sergio was right on pace with Max like he was on pace with him he was beating him as well but I mean at the same time the car starts to go away from him Mm -hmm. and then the confidence starts to go down a hill and then you get the snowball effect and a lot of drivers go through it it's it's not like he's the only one but it's kind of like sometimes when you're not really understanding the car you're you're having trouble getting to grips with a a tough race car to drive sometimes you, you get you start chasing your own tail and you Mm -hmm. overthink things and you dig a little bit too deep and then you start overdriving and similar to the situations that we're seeing now I think that you know Sergio can get back to challenging Max more regularly maybe not on the exact same pace as Verstappen because honestly he is in another league right now like he's just one of he's on another planet man like you put anyone in that second seat, I don't know if they're keeping up with him. I really yeah. don't
0: like yeah i don't I don't think so.
1: he really is on another level at this moment, but I think like Sergio has a reset and the off season comes back yeah i, I think he could finish off that drive just nicely the the question I think is is that you know do they bring him back after his contract ends? mm Cause it, okay. it is ending at the end of next season. It's kind of just like, well, what do they do in 2024? And that's where the question is of, do they bring Daniel Ricardo back in, mm-hmm. you know, or do they bring Yuki. Liam Lawson or Yuki or someone yeah. like that back in? Not that, hey, listen, that I think. If there's,
0: if they're, they're going to start to share more information between those two teams, which I think they should, um, you don't want, it's great that Red Bull's winning every race, but they're, their sister team shouldn't be finishing dead last. Mm-hmm. And they're right now in dead last. It's just not acceptable. You can't have that. So uh, what are you going to do?
1: That's you the thing, right? That. I mean, they've, I think also with Alpha AlphaTauri for next season and whatever they're going to be rebranded as, <laughs> that team is going to get moved closer to, to Red Bull, obviously. And then at the same time, I think that the the Alpha AlphaTauri is going to look a lot similar to the RB19 next season Mm -hmm. and i think they're going to take a lot of parts from that car as well and just build upon it i think this is going to be a stronger team next season as well i mean you look at the start of the season for for alpha tower i mean they were i mean it it was bad man it was really bad and then they had a huge upgrade at the british grand prix and then they started bringing more upgrades to the car then they had another round of pretty sizable upgrades in singapore in hearing from Yuki, it does seem like the upgrades are working. The car is better to drive. It's a little more forgiving than when Nick DeVries was in the car earlier in the season. And so I think for Alpha AlphaTauri, this is a team that's going to be a lot stronger next season. And so, yeah, I think you want to have that, that tandem of, of Yuki and Daniel Ricardo. You, you're going to have the younger driver and then you got that a little experience. older driver. Yeah. You have that experience to bring that team along. And so, Interesting situation with both of those teams, Adam, but. Constantly most...
0: juicy with Red Bull. Constantly. Oh, yeah.
1: Always, man. There's always something. Um McLaren, though, uh, man, they've been awesome. Like, <laughs> yeah. unbelievable. I, yeah. I think, you know, it, it's funny hearing Lando Norris say at the end of the race, you know, quote, we're coming for you, Red Bull. Like, we're coming for Red Bull, right? Like, it's. I never thought I'd hear a team or a driver say that at the end of the race. They're feeling season. it. They're feeling themselves. <laughs> and listen, they might have like a full lap. Like Lewis was
0: complaining, I think. Uh, and I, I understand why he's pissed, right? He's just signed his extension and they're a full second behind Red Bull still. Like, he's like, I don't know how we're going to compete with them next year. Um, and it's if, because there's a time limit for Lewis, for Lando and for Oscar, that time, that time limit so far down the road, that they can afford to say, we'll wait you out. We'll be here in a couple of years, man. We'll still be coming for you. Like, and, and I think that, I don't know how much, you know, development you can get done over the course of the winter, Tim. Like I really have, I, you know, obviously we saw enormous jumps for, you know, Aston Martin this year. Um, over the course of the winter. I think they were the most improved team. Um, but you can see teams stagnate too. Like, you know, Mercedes had to make massive changes after the first couple of races. Ferrari didn't get any better. If you, I would argue that they were like, you know, they were challenging Red Bull at the beginning of last season. Now they're kind of you know, probably going to finish third. Um, you know, I, I wonder about what McLaren can do. You know, obviously you're going to figure out a lot in the next few races, but what can you do to close that gap over the course of the winter? Because you got you got to figure it out.
1: 100% I think like what's what's interesting about all of it is that like we have never seen a team you know make a jump this big inside of a season before like I I've never seen, I've been involved in racing since I was nine years old I've been watching f1 since the 80s like I'm dating myself here but at the same time <laughs> I'm late <laughs> same, 90s I'm late 90s <laughs> at the same time I mean dude like we have never seen this before. We've never really seen a team take this big of a jump within an actual season. And that's because of the regulation. That's because mm-hmm. of the cost cap. But at the same time, that's also because of like a great engineering strategy that Andre Stella and his team have done. He's really just gone in there and just let this team work. Yeah. And he's really just believed in the talent that he has behind the scenes to get this project to where it is now. And you have to give him a lot of credit. He was thrown into this team at the last minute because of Andres Seidel leaving to go to Alfa Romeo Sauber, which will soon become Audi to run that program. And for Andres Stella, he has done an incredible job mm-hmm. of getting this team from literally at the back to now fighting At the front. And so, when you look at that development rate, and it's massive, Mm -hmm. you have to then apply that to the winter. When, in the wintertime, you have no racing going on. Your sole focus is on one car. We're currently, well, before, I shouldn't say currently, before the summer, they were focusing on two cars. Mm -hmm. They had their 2024 car, which was which is in the wind tunnel, their new one at the factory. And then they had their 2023 car out in Cologne and they're working on it out there. And then you look at trying to work on both projects at the same time and bring upgrades while you're fighting inside a championship, while you're trying to make your way up the constructor standings. They've done an incredible job, Adam. Like it's, it just shows that, you don't know what's going to happen in the off season and you have no idea what's going to happen next year. That's why everybody
0: not to know too. Right. So, well, I guess we
1: hope, you know, <laughs> like I think for, I think for McLaren, like one of the, one of the, the more interesting things with that team is that they've really figured out where all of their performance needs to come from. Mm-hmm. And they know how to adapt to it quickly. And they figured out how to turn their weaknesses into strengths. You look at that car in slow speed corners and it sucked after the British Grand Prix. It was horrible. The car was fast as hell, long high speed corners. It was incredible. But once you went to slower tracks, it wasn't as good. And then in Singapore, they bring that update that fixes that issue, but keeps the strength as well. And, and, you look at what happens in Japan, it's all paid off, right? Yep. They've nailed everything. And I just think that it's so difficult to do that in Formula One. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, I, I would be worried about McLaren if I'm Red Bull. I, I 100% would be. And, you know, what Lando has said at the end of the race, I, I believe what he's saying. Like, they are coming for Red Bull. The gap even Lando makes mention of it post-race press conference. Like, like the gap between the two of them. He thought it was going to be uh, not as big. Or sorry, he thought it was going to be bigger. Mm-hmm. It was only 19 seconds. He thought it was going to be like they were going to get lapped. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is the bar Red
0: Bull has set, too. Can you imagine? Just, oh, I'm, I feel real good about 15 seconds behind a guy. But, you know, you're, you're right, Tim. I think that... Okay, so... I, I think my... Uh, Andrea Stella done his job, right? He needed to come in and find out, can I trust these engineers? Like the friends, remember the friends toast. Uh, yeah. <laughs> um, I don't even season. trust my engineers. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I was like, well, he's probably going to leave the team soon. And lo and behold, um, you know, I think Andrea Stella can, can trust his engineers. I know that they have hired somebody away from Mercedes, I think and somebody away from Red Bull too, joining them in the next couple of years. Um, they've got the wind tunnel online and, and, you know, you talked about it with Jesse. I, I mean, it's tough to call them the best driver lineup uh, when Max Verstappen exists. I think wherever Max is right now, that's the best driver lineup. But um, or And George and, and Lewis are amazing. And Carlos and, and Charles, if, if Charles can, can get his, uh, his, his confidence back, I think he's going to be great again too. But what's interesting about Lando and Oscar is, you know, it's not just one driver that's up there. It's not like Lando in, in second and Oscar in seventh it's two, three,
1: mm-hmm. they're
0: right there. Mm-hmm. And, and they're playing the team game too, which is cool. Like that is, that's neat to see. Um, you got it. You got to do that when you're trying to catch. Um, I think they're trying to catch Mercedes and Ferrari. That's what I think they're going for. And if they keep racing, like they are, they might get a little closer. I don't know if they're going to catch them, but could be good. I feel like the, the, the thing with McLaren has got to be, can they keep the good vibes going? Can they keep both drivers in it for the team? Because that's really, really hard to do in Formula One. Um, You know, Oscar right now, he doesn't need to beat Lando. If he does, that's great. But it's not like, oh, my career and my legacy hinge on this. And next year, probably the same. But by year three, if he's not beating Lando, then he's going to be pissed. And if he is beating Lando, then Lando's going to be pissed. And I just, I, I think we're setting ourselves up here for a pretty serious battle between the two of them in a couple of years.
1: Yeah, especially it, if
0: the car is really good, right? I
1: think, uh, I think, I think Zach's going to have his hand full with two extremely competitive drivers. I, I think that's a problem he'd
0: prefer to have rather than having, you know... I don't uh, think he's
1: going to want what's coming, buddy. Oh, no, you don't think so? <laughs> I don't think uh,
0: well, so, dude. Would it be... Okay, but would it be, <laughs> would it be worse than Fernando Alonso and knowing you're going to lose him? And then, you know, poor Stoffel van Dorn, who, you know, is a good driver, but they yeah. had a
1: terrible car. A terrible yeah. car back then. Yeah.
0: You know, I, I think he'd rather have... That's a good problem to have in comparison.
1: I... Yes. Okay, so they it's all about management, right? When it Mm -hmm. comes to really talented drivers, you Mm -hmm. look at Oscar Piastri. uh, I wasn't sold on Oscar Piastri and what McLaren went through in the battle with Alpine to get him. I wasn't sold on the fact that. Is it worth it? Is this driver worth what you're doing right now? Hmm. I don't think they knew that either. He has come in and kicked a lot of ass, man. like qualifying P2 in Suzuka on a track Mm -hmm. he's never been to, Mm -hmm. a driver's track, a big commitment racetrack, not put a wheel wrong. He was remarkable all weekend and also getting the new update for this track as well, which is also another thing he's got to learn. I think that this driver lineup is going to be one of the strongest on the grid next season. All Piastri needs to do is figure out how to keep tires alive on high deg situations. Mm-hmm. And he's good to go. Like his, his, learning curve, Adam, has been tremendous. Mm -hmm. He hasn't put a wheel wrong. And I think at the same time, you can see just how disappointed he is at the end of races when he's not really, really competitive. Like, we're talking pushing for wins or pushing for P2s. Like He's the first rookie to get a podium since it was Lance Stroll, Azerbaijan Grand Prix 2017. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. He's been, he's been unbelievable.
0: Yeah. Well, and, and okay. So compare and contrast, Lando Norris today became the highest point scoring driver ever to not have a win. Hmm. So it's, it's him. And then it's Nico Hulkenberg. And then I think Roman Grosjean Hmm. and he's got Roman beat by, I think 200 points already. Um, Lando's got to get that first W, and it's yeah. not his fault that he hasn't. I think he would have had it this year. He would have had yeah. it in the last couple of races if it yeah, wasn't for Max. Yeah. But they got to get him. A, they got to get him a car that's going to beat Red Bull. Like, like, listen. Everybody's mad at Red Bull for being so good, or they want it, they want the FIA to step in. Here's who I'm mad at: the other nine teams on the grid. You can, how can you? You guys are supposed to be the pinnacle of motor, motorsport. How can you let one team run away with it like this? And they got to be thinking that, too. You know that, you know, down, you know, at, at, at uh, all the factories, the McLaren factory, the Aston Martin factory, Mercedes is just frothing right now. Uh, just so angry that they're not winning. Um, I, I feel like this is this is going to be it sets a, sets the stage for an exciting season. My question to you, though, is, you know, is McLaren's on heat uh, on a hot streak? They don't have the proven systems that Red Bull does. Can they Can they actually improve this car and catch Red Bull by the beginning of next season?
1: I think so. I you think believe we've it? seen it. I we'll look at, look at the data and look at where they started at the beginning of the season to where they are now. I mean, they've made up well over a second of performance within a season. Yeah. <laughs> like, like in a season, dude, which is... <laughs> I like I said at the beginning. I've never seen anything like that before. Mm -hmm. It's it's really remarkable what they are doing. (laughs) Yeah, like everybody needs to know that. Like, yeah, and that's why I think when we get into to next season, you know, I I don't think Red Bull has this massive advantage. They will start with an advantage, no question about it. But Mm -hmm. I don't think it's going to be as big. And I also think that there's going to be able There's going to be teams that are going to be able to catch up to Red Bull by midseason next year. Like maybe Mm -hmm. not really close the gap completely, but I still think it's going to be way closer than what it is now. I mean, McLaren's like been working on the 2024 car already. I mean, it's already good. I mean, obviously Red Bull got a head start with all that, but McLaren's not far behind them in that regards as well, when they were able to have sort of two wind tunnels going at, at once. Mm-hmm. Um, I just think that their driver lineup is what's really going to push them across the line, mm-hmm. like really push this team forward. When you have two really talented drivers like this, who have sort of similar driving styles and you, you, push them forward and you push the team forward and, and that's what they are doing. Like, that's why we've also seen these huge jumps in performance. It's also because of the drivers as well, Mm -hmm. pushing the team and really maximizing everything that they're given. And that's why I think this is just such a strong driver lineup, like the Mercedes driver lineup, like the, what we're starting to see with Ferrari's driver lineup. Like it's just really, really strong. Mm -hmm. Uh, I'm excited for next year for them, I'm excited for the rest of the season um, for them. But yeah, it, it, it's, uh, you just can't, I just can't say, you know, it, it's there's so it's many things to say, but I, I don't, there is no faults with them just yet. Like it's just nothing I can see. Mm-hmm. Oh,
0: it's nice, isn't it? <laughs> yeah.
1: If you're a fan, yeah, for sure. I mean, if you're a McLaren fan, if you're Lando or Oscar fan, like you, like it's exciting times for sure. I mean, even, they're just forty nine points behind Aston Martin in the constructors championship. I mean, Aston yeah. Martin's currently P four. Um, they were P two. Yeah, and I think they're definitely going to be coming for that P four spot.
0: Wow, I hope. Hopefully, I'm hoping they can catch a P P three. I just if they keep doing this, that they, there's they're mathematically not completely out of it. So hopefully, mm-hmm. we'll see. Um, I, I got to ask you because everybody's talking about it. This P R Gasly Esteban all stuff. So there's a Clip floating around the internet, and it's the last lap of the race, and Esteban is uh, given the green light to pass Pierre, and Pierre is being made to slow down. Right um, now, uh, what is the reasoning for this? People are upset about it. You know, Pierre Gasly is one of the yeah. most loved drivers out there. Why did they do this to Pierre? Is mostly the question that we're getting online. Why? Why do this to our little boy?
1: Yeah, I think. <laughs> yeah, I think like well. Esteban had let Pierre go by mm-hmm. uh, a little bit earlier before they swapped again. So they had swapped to allow Pierre to try and catch up to, believe it was Alonso who was running P8 towards the mm-hmm. end of the race. And Gasly was on fresh retires. So I think the question is, is that could Gasly have caught and passed Esteban regardless of Esteban swapping? It, it's kind of like, I think for Pierre, that's where his frustrations were come because towards the end of this race he's he's told to let Esteban go by and Gasly sounds surprised by that on the radio like he his radio call was like it was extremely heated with his with his engineer and and with the team and the engineer back to him and there was also sounding like a bit of confusion in there as as well which is the engineer didn't
0: even seem to want to relay the message like well it's weird like the
1: engineer even sounded a little confused by making the ask as well a tiny bit and so at the checkered flag, Gasly lets Ocon go by, so they swap to P9, P10. So Ocon takes P9, and Gasly mm-hmm. falls back to P10, and he is livid in the car, dude. I had never seen a driver so upset I know, he's inside a race the car. Wheel. Like, he was, like, pissed for the entire cooldown lap. I've never seen a driver, like thrashing inside of a race car before like that's how upset gasly was by doing all that and i don't think it has has anything to do with the driver's past like Mm -hmm. because they have a rocky past i don't think it has anything to do with that i think it has everything to do with the fact that i think gasly was pretty much like i'm gonna i was gonna pass and catch this guy anyways like regardless of yeah. whether you swapped us or you didn't, like because I was on the fresher tires and he was on the fresher tires. I think that's what is, what his problem was. I mean, but at the end of the day, as, as that's a driver, still... yeah, yeah. As, as it, for like Esteban Ocon, like he did do the right thing when he's told to swap, he swaps. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's what, that's what you do, but you, the courtesy is you swap them back. Right. And that's, that's been the game in formula one and in racing for a long time. And so so
0: if, if you're Gasly, um, is it on you for not passing the guy in front of you and taking that option off the table?
1: The only thing was, is like I think Alonzo was like six or seven seconds ahead.
0: Yeah, yeah. Like it and wasn't the, like that was that Alpine car is not very good.
1: Yeah, and it wasn't like he was taking huge chunks out of like Alonzo's Del- Delta. Like it wasn't. Right. It wasn't like he was clawing back all of this, you know, performance. But I, I one of the things, I just is just com- the confusion of it. Mm-hmm. You know, if you're going to if you're gonna swap, like let them know you're gonna swap, but if you can't catch them, we're gonna swap it back. Right. And I think that's where that disconnect of communication happens behind the scenes with the team. Yeah. You know, there there yeah. wasn't that conversation that didn't take place like it, that it should have, it sounds like. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, Bruno Famine coming out and defending uh the scenario and then telling everybody, Hey, we're going to talk about it behind the scenes. It's like, I mean, come on Alpine. Like, yeah, you you gotta, you gotta be on the same page and look, I get it behind the scenes. You have so much restructuring that you've just done Uh, whether it was the right restructuring remains to be seen, but you still have to let the drivers know that if you're going to do something like that, you gotta, you gotta let them know that these are the rules that we're playing by today whether they did or they didn't, that's mm-hmm. the question, I think. And I think that's why is just so upset.
0: Oh, uh, yeah, yeah, those are well, my thoughts on it. And it's more chaos at Alpine. Like they're just they just can't get out of their own way. That was a really competitive car last year, and um, they are not patient enough to make it happen and until mm-hmm. until the racing team isn't run by the corporation. you can be owned by the corporation, but you can't you can't have a board making decisions like this. Um, they're going to continue to make bad calls like they did with Otmar, I think. And, um, and you know, I don't, their three-year plan that they had, uh, is, is gone now. So what do you do? It's, it's, uh, it's a shame because that, you know, these, you know, Renault as a brand is such a huge name in, in formula series. And at one point they were the power unit for three or four different cars on the grid. And it just goes to show that no one trusts their power unit anymore. They're not making any money that way. Um, you know, their drivers are French. That's fantastic. Like, really cool. They got two really solid drivers who, in a good car, would perform very well. It's crazy that, you know, where McLaren was at the beginning of this year, that they, they're they now, like, almost 100 points up on Alpine, too. Yeah. Crazy. That's wild, eh? Yeah.
1: Like, absolutely yeah. wild. And, and, like, they do want to try and get... Um, the FIA and the teams to allow them to open up their engines so they can make some tweaks to it, to bump up the horsepower a bit because they feel that they are, are down on, on horsepower with this engine. Um, I don't know how easy that's going to be. I mean, because essentially the engines are sealed. Now there's not much you can do with them until 2026. We get a new set of, uh, engine regs. Um, the only, the only cause for a team to open up the engines is if there are reliability issues and, Currently, mm-hmm. it doesn't appear there are any unless they can find a argument to be made that the reliability issues uh, coincide with the lack of horsepower and that's why they can't put the horsepower up, et cetera, et cetera. So uh, I think it's going to be really interesting at that team for uh, next season as as well. Uh, mm-hmm. And then just to search for a team principal, right? I mean, Bruno Famine being the interim at the moment, um, whether or not he's going to be the full time Again, that remains to be seen as well. Um, It'll be interesting to see who they try and get. I mean, do they go after Mattia Bonotto? But again, I don't think he wants to go and answer to um, the powers that be that are above him. right? I think he's already done that at Ferrari. It didn't go well for him and i don't think he wants to go back to a situation like that but no
0: no i mean and how bad does Mattia need formula one like somebody will come knocking eventually right
1: yeah uh, that's a good question too right like he's been in it; he was in it for so long and now the fact that he's gotten out of it and it's been you know it, it will be a year in december january that he will have been removed from Formula One. It's the question of whether or not does he really want to come back. I'm sure he's got enough money to retire. He's got his vineyards. I mean, he's. Right. I think he's probably pretty much good to go, right? It's like, would he want to take on another challenge like that?
0: Yeah, yeah. And, then and again,
1: he's he's probably the most current team principal, right, Adam? So it's kind if of I like was Alpine, I'd want Alpine. him. Yeah, exactly. That, I'd that, want him.
0: But you know, the great thing is, if you're Mattia, at that point you can demand a different corporate structure. You can say, yeah. I'm just not going to come unless you guys make these assurances or change these these structures because it's not going to work with a yeah. race team as you've just seen.
1: Yeah. That's a good point. Um, and I,
0: I don't know. I mean, I don't know if he'd have the power to do that, but he, he should ask. And, and then the, you know, his other way in would be with one of the other, the, the teams that, you know, are struggling a little bit that, you know, Haas or um, not that Gunther's going anywhere, but you know um AlphaTari or, or, you know, I, I don't know what has Alphatari made a, have they made
1: a call on who they're going to bring
0: in? They have. Okay.
1: Yeah. Uh, Laurent Mekis from oh, Ferrari right. is going to be taking over for uh France right. toss for next year. Laurent will, I believe he starts in either November or January. I can't remember what the exact date is, but um, yeah, they've put him on a bit of a gardening leave at the moment and he'll come over and uh, he'll, he'll take over that team. Good time for him to take over AlphaTauri as well, but um, you know, leaving Ferrari, it's a decision that's, he ended up making Mm -hmm. whether or not it was the right or the wrong one remains to be seen and we'll see what happens there. But for Ferrari, Charles Leclerc finishing, uh, you know, in the points, obviously P4 and then Mm -hmm. you had Carlos Sainz P6. uh, Tough. I mean, for Ferrari to do so well in Singapore and then they come to Japan and, you know, Carlos Sainz goes the wrong way in terms of setup Mm -hmm. for this weekend and then has to revert back to a different type of setting, kind of threw a wrench into his plans. It, you know, harkens back to what I had said on this podcast uh, last week about, you know, Carlos in the summertime, summer break coming out of that him and his engineer um, basically agreeing that, you know, they have to not put a foot wrong in free practice. One, two, three, have a clean weekend, put the weekend together for him to have success. That's one of those things where it's like, that's not you. Being able to have that clean weekend if you're going one way in a direction of setup and then having to come back and revert, so mm-hmm. tough one for Carlos, but for Charles, this has got to be a confidence booster. It, it qualifies his teammate for the first time in like four races.
0: Yeah, yeah, and 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 he definitely considers himself the lead driver right? So he's, oh, yeah. if he wants to be the lead driver, well, the other guy got a win this year and you're, he's regularly challenging you in, in qualifying. I don't know what their qualifying splits are, but I know they're pretty, I think they're even, they're pretty close. Oh, yeah. Pretty close. So Charles got to show that he can actually be the guy that Ferrari thought he could be. And part of being a great driver is taking a car that's pretty good and making it great. And you look at what Lando and Oscar have done. Now the McLaren car is very, very good, but there were weekends here, like you mentioned, where it was terrible and slow corners and they still manage to do something with it. Charles got to do that. He can't, and, and I I think this is part of the maturing process is the car is what it is. When you get the car, you can give feedback on the car, but the reality is that weekend it's not changing. So what are you going to do about it? And you look at the way Lewis Hamilton handles that Mercedes, um, which he still doesn't love and still manages like everybody's like, well, after last season, George, oh, George might be the guy. Look at what Lewis has done this year with a Mercedes that he doesn't even like. Um, I think Charles got to work in that direction and Ferrari obviously has to move their way up, but they got to be, everybody writes them off because when Ferrari isn't winning, it's considered a a disappointment, but they got to be like a dark horse challenger to be one of the best cars next year. They have to be.
1: Yeah, I definitely, I definitely agree with you. I think they've, they've made some pretty impressive steps this season considering, you know, where they did start. It was pretty brutal. Um, the Ferrari's actually rebounded quite nicely. Uh, just coming to grips with a challenging car, especially in race trim, where the deg on this car is extremely high. And so both mm-hmm. drivers having to really learn and figure out how that all works. I think Charles had a really nice race. Actually, he had a good, good weekend in general. I think personally, it's probably one of his best weekends he's had since probably Spa. Um, Maybe this is the confidence that he needs to finish off strong in the season. He's behind his teammate right now in the uh, driver standings. I think at the end of the day, though, if you're Ferrari, you have to be happy with having two cars in the points. Maybe not P four, P six, but I mean, still, I guess, still, it's it's still a good result, I think, for the team considering this isn't really a track that ultimately suits their car and in what it does. Um, And I think they're going to have more successes as the season sort of rolls along. Uh, You mentioned Mercedes there, that, that car on a knife's edge all the time. And, you know, Mm -hmm. you talk to Lewis Hamilton about this and that's exactly what, you know, he'll tell you, they're just not running enough downforce on that car. It's clear, clear. I mean, McLaren, maybe the quicker team than them now at the same time. And it's funny, like watching, well, it's not funny, but like it's interesting watching Hamilton and, and George Russell battle it out in this race.
0: Mm-hmm. George, um, what did you think of George at the end saying, "If I stay ahead of Lewis, I'll let him pass on the last lap, but I'll give him it." it it's
1: <laughs> it, it's just no, he didn't like that. I mean, I like the way he thinks. Right, he's creative. Yeah, for sure. I mean, he's pushing the team, right, which he mm. should do. But I, like George is the one who put himself on the one stop strategy, right? That's. You got to deal with it, man. Lewis is going to be faster. He's on the softer. He's on the, sorry, he's on the fresher tires. He's coming to get you. He's going to take it. And what are you going to do? Right? You can't, like Carlos had so much closing pace. I mean, I think Ferrari got that strategy. It's a tiny bit wrong as well on Carlos's side
0: mm-hmm. where
1: he probably could have finished even higher than where he did. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, you know, Lewis, was coming for that spot regardless. And you can't just keep him behind with Carlos also being the faster driver as well in that situation. Cause Carlos, I think had better pace than the Mercedes did.
0: Yep. Yep.
1: Towards the end and closing stages of this race. But what are you going to do? You got to let him buy, man. Like you have to swap. And then I think Hamilton could have maybe let up a little sooner to give George a DRS. But I still don't think at the end of the day, by giving George the DRS was enough.
0: And when Carlos is racing too well right now, too. Yeah. Like he's pretty confident. I wondered, too, did they, because it was two or three laps that they were stuck in that position. And I wondered if they wasted time not getting Lewis past, uh, letting Carlos catch up and letting Charles get away, right? Like Lewis ultimately didn't have a chance at getting Charles. But if you were going to have an outside chance, I don't think lap forty nine with him five seconds ahead of you is the way to go. You know, it mm-hmm. was probably lap forty six where you can say, okay, mathematically, can we do this? Can we shave, mm-hmm. you know, seven tenths of a second off for the next four or five laps and then be in contention? Mm-hmm. Um, and and I, I I just didn't see the. I, it seemed like Mercedes didn't know what to do. If I'm being honest, and I think
1: yeah, yeah, uh, and you
0: had you got it. I mean, like, with George's tire strategy. You should have let Lewis go right away because mm-hmm. then there's no Carlos in the area. It was a very risky switch that they made. They exactly. did it, but imagine it had gone wrong. Imagine Carlos passes in both, which easily could have happened.
1: Oh yeah. I mean, I think like, uh, I think George pitted around lap 24 and that's when he slapped on the hards. And then that, that's what he ran for the rest of the race. Mm-hmm. And that's where I question like, you know, like, dude, why, why would you, no one else is really, is doing that. Why would you think that that's a great, Option, And then you have Hamilton and Leclerc basically pitting on the same lap, jumping Mm -hmm. onto um, fresh hards as well. And then you have Carlos Sainz was about four laps later, uh, around lap 38. I think Hamilton and Leclerc are around 34 when they pitted. And so Sainz has fresher rubber than both of them. (laughs) So I think if if that pit stop gets done a little bit differently for Carlos, then... Like I said, we're probably talking about a, a different spot for him. Mm-hmm. But I think with Mercedes, just, you know, obviously total Wolf not being there this weekend. And what was it? What was the quote that Ted used? And was it Ted or was it was someone from Sky Sports said, quote, when the Wolf is away, the boys will play. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I like that. I thought that was funny. Actually, pretty good. <laughs> uh, that's good. I, I, I like it too. But like I, he's... You know they are that they are right because it's like these two were really, you know, George and Lewis were really at each other this this race. Yeah,
0: I don't even yeah. think wonderful.
1: they. I don't even think they spoke to each other when when they got into park for May. Like I think uh, I saw an onboard Lewis or was it George's onboard camera when he pulled into park for May jumps out of the car and just completely just goes to cool off. Like I think for George that was a really. Heated race for him and, and for Lewis, like I think for George, he's got to understand as well that you know Lewis is actually fighting for like P two in this championship.
0: Yes. Yes. And you gotta support that. You have to support that. I think so. Yeah. It, man, it's it's you know, Max, we already know he's gonna win the drivers' championship, but what a moral victory if Lewis gets ahead. Of of Sergio,
1: that's huge. That's if that massive. happens,
0: people that is going to be
1: huge,
0: and it yeah. would be great for the factory, great for the everybody that works at Mercedes. If that happens, George's got to help make that happen.
1: I, I, yeah, I agree with you. I, I I think like for Hamilton just now being about thirty, he's around thirty three points behind Sergio in the in the driver standings for P two. But Adam, like coming out of the summer break, th- that's all that Hamilton was talking about was running like running after Sergio and mm-hmm. taking second place away from him.
0: Oh yeah. Yeah. And you can see it. He wants yeah. it. Uh, uh, he's so much more focused than he was last year too.
1: Did you see uh Hamilton's move uh, on Alonzo into one thirty R? I did. <laughs> <laughs> oh I've had to close my eyes.
0: <laughs> uh, it was uh it's spicy. Those two, man, it, they seem to have developed, like, I know they hated each other for a while. They seem to have developed a grudging respect, almost respect, like a sense yeah. of humor. Like, this is kind of stupid that we're still here in our forties, and yeah. you know it's it's difficult to get as as fired up in your in your late thirties about something like that. I think you know you're you're still passionate, but you realize like I'm not going to crap all over the guy. Um, there is a uh, they are wild with each other. They yeah. race each other hard, and you can yeah. tell the way they race each other is different than anybody else,
1: yeah. right? <laughs> I think so.
0: Yeah, because it's still like. Like I still think Fernando's pissed that, that, he, 2000, that he didn't
1: win. Yeah, that 2007 McLaren season, so with those two mad. together.
0: Yeah. yeah. Oh, it's crazy, crazy. I and it's been it's been a rivalry ever since, and it's still fun. It's still fun.
1: You know, one of the things that Alonso has talked about between the two of them was that just how how young both of them were at the time mm-hmm. with that uh, relationship and it not being handled well by the team itself. Actually, not managing both of them at the same time mm-hmm. because within a team like you do need the team to manage a driver's relationship too i mean that's just sure yeah it's oh, a yeah. game right it, it if you want to have some code like if you want to have a good environment for everybody to work in you need to make sure that the drivers are working well together yeah uh, i uh, i the alonzo gave him enough room in the 130r man but if he doesn't like oh <laughs> 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 i close my eyes like it's just uh, it it uh, yeah, it was it was it was incredible, incredible pass it, by Lewis. Uh, I think actually Leclerc's pass on George Russell was also a good one that comes yes. to mind in this race as well. Yeah. Hamilton's post-race comment where he said the next six months have to be the greatest six months in development that we've ever had is interesting.
0: Well, it's a challenge. Okay, hey guys, time to pick it up. Yep. This is now eighteen months away from our last drivers' championship. Where have we gotten since then? Mm-hmm. You know, I don't blame him. I don't blame him. He's out to to win.
1: That's a lot of, like, pressure to really put on your team from from him to say that into the media. Because, you know, he... I think behind the scenes, he's been very forceful and vocal for quite a while now. But what he wants from the car, where he wants it to go. Mm -hmm. And I think, you know, we are seeing that play out now because of what he's had to do behind the scenes earlier in the in the year.
0: Yes. Yeah.
1: And it kind of sounds like, you know, he's been telling the team what he wants and what the direction that they need to go in for them to have success for for quite a while now.
0: Well, it it seems to me that he feels that they didn't listen to him last year.
1: Kind of sounds that way. I mean, he hasn't came out and said that, but Mm -hmm. it. it, I get And I can times, understand yeah. why
0: a team wouldn't listen to a driver. I get it. Yeah. Uh but ultimately who's have they won? Well, they won, they won, in,
1: we won in Brazil oh, okay. last year. George. Yeah. But still, like have they, they won? Yeah, no. I mean, like, this season, the beginning was a disaster with that car. So
0: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, no. I listen, man. I, I I get why a team would be like, listen, we know a lot more about engineering than the driver knows about engineering. For sure. But this is Lewis Hamilton. <laughs> you might want to start to listen to him. And George is saying the same thing. It's not like Lewis is alone here. George hates it just as much.
1: Yes, for sure. So. Um, Aston Martin. Yes. It has been a very difficult back end of this season for them. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's almost like they're just starting to go a bit backwards now. I mean, Alonzo finishing... P8, I think that's everything that the car had. I don't think it could have gone any higher than no. that, no matter what type of strategy the team um, tried to do. I mean, obviously Alonso's comments—he was unhappy on the radio, telling the team that they threw him to the to the lions. He did clarify, though, that he was frustrated because he was losing the cars that were in front of him, yep. even with DRS. Obviously, the you know the AMR 23 really struggles with straight line speed. Mm-hmm. He was upset that the team boxed him so early in the opening stint as well. But I think at the end of the day, the teams trying to be aggressive with strategy because I think they know where they're eventually going to cycle out anyway. So why not try to do something a little bit different, even if that puts you back into the same spot and eventually it did anyways. So mm-hmm. I think the team being aggressive with strategy to force a few others in front of them to box early, like they did try mm-hmm. to get that undercut because it's so powerful in, in, in Suzuka. I mean, it, they tried; it didn't pan out the way they wanted it to. But regardless, they ended up finishing where they thought they were going to finish, anyways. And I think, like, it's it's just it's been eye opening to see like how much they've dropped back. You know, I would say after Canada,
0: robbery. Fernando's comments to me, to the engineer, that were so widely publicized, are less about where they pitted. And I think more about the frustration of the lack of the progress of the car. You know, he was talking about at the beginning of the season, it was the best car he's ever driven. Right. And it's it, and he was harmonious. And listen, as long as you're winning, it's going to be a harmonious relationship with Fernando Alonso, but they got him so that when they weren't winning, he could provide the proper feedback and push them to win. The problem is sometimes the way Fernando in the past has delivered that has alienated people. We know that, right? He, 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 He's a frustrating guy for some teams to deal with, but if you want true greatness, he wants true greatness. He's going to tell you exactly how he feels. So, uh, yeah, it's good for them that they finished where they did. It's a yeah. it's a bummer for Stroll that that the wing just fell apart on him. Like it's not man, what a disaster nightmare season for him. I feel bad for him because so much of it, you know, you know, getting hit by a car and breaking both your your wrists and all the so other fall things. Fall off that went the into bike, it. fell off his fall bike, off the bike, fall off the fall bike. Off the off the bike. bike <laughs> excuse me, but all the same, like. Like all the things that happen to him, it's like, oh, like, man, this is just put toss this God. season in the garbage. Go back at it next year. Who cares? Um, they they know what he's like in a sim, they know what he what he probably compares to with Fernando on this stuff. Today's not even his fault. Like, forget yeah. it. Just move on. Uh, and hopefully finish strong this year. Um, because they do still have a fight. They got a fight with McLaren for uh for fourth place now, yeah. which is a shame.
1: I mean the luck that Lance has had this season, I mean not letting them all completely off the hook like he's made mistakes the team has made mistakes mm-hmm. uh, but at the same time the luck is just man imagine if that rear wing had to come off in this oh. race before the team caught it oh boy yeah that's a problem <laughs> that's a you could see on problem. the you could see like on the garage on the, the garage guy... shot like the the, the the yeah. wing, literally, like he's just touching it and the wings are like, Wr-r-r-r. I'm like, yeah. oh my God. That could have like been if, a disaster. If that had it came off, oh man, that's crazy. Never seen it. Massive shunt for sure. Uh, yeah. yeah, it's been a tough season for him. Uh, hopefully, things start to turn around a bit more in, in his favor. Um, we talked about Liam Lawson, Yuki Sonoda, mm-hmm. you know, the Alfa Romeo of Joe Guan Yu. Tough start. To the race yeah. nico hulkenberg and and kevin magnuson finishing p14 p15 in the haas that haas is going to change by the time we get to the u.s grand prix it's going to be a big upgrade it's going to look a lot different the williams team oh adam oh holy hell you want to talk about another well, team in driver pairing it's had uh you know, tough, goes. They're, they're I, tough goes like
0: so my grid rival i have Verstappen, and piastri Lando, but I also have both Williams drivers because Albon has been just floating my team. Like he's been amazing the the progressions he's made, and Logan Sargent's just super cheap on grid rivals. So I just you know it's like oh how much money can I lose on a guy that consistently finishes fifteenth? Right? It's sort of mm-hmm. um, I think that I think that um, Albon. It seems like it was just they have a fast car, so this seemed like a circuit that would be good for them. But uh, I think he got damage in the first.
1: Yeah, he got he bit. got contact in the the opening. Yeah. Like he like went up in the air, like where I was like, or sorry, he went this way actually in the start, finish straightaway. And I was like, my God, if that had have gone like just a couple more inches, that's a problem. That would have been a massive incident, but yeah.
0: Yeah. 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 So I'm I'm hoping for, listen, Logan Sargent uh, looking like he's going to be around next year. I hope just see improvements there. I think that, you know, the mistake he made in, in uh, qualifying on Saturday was driver error. And he's leading the uh, the championship in most uh, most most money spent on cars destroyed. Uh, so uh, it's a, over $2 million in damages, I think, so far. Um, he's got to clean that up. Um, but Albon, I have no worries about it. And I think James Vowell's got that team headed in the right direction for the first time in a decade. It's so nice to see.
1: For that crash for, for Logan, yeah, just getting a snap of oversteer just coming in, which is a weird spot anyways to get to get a snap like that anyways, like it was, it was a weird answer. It reminded me a lot of Robert Kubica's back in mm-hmm. 2019, mm-hmm. 2019 Suzuka, um, but just kept his boot in it. Like he just, oh, yeah. like, like Sergeant just kept his foot in it. And it was just like, I can understand like why he did, because that lap would have been Q2. No problem. Like he was on one for sure. Mm-hmm. And he was actually because I was um, uh, I was following both of their quali times on the mm-hmm. tracker, and they were right on pace with each other, like hmm. him and Sergeant Albin and Sergeant were during that Q one. And if he had to finish that lap off, like I can understand why he kept his foot in it. Like he was going for it. I get it, mm-hmm. but. That grass is right there, man. And it's kind of like, what do you do at that moment? You take your foot out of it and like concede the lap. I guess. I like think either so. way, it would have been a difficult outcome for him.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah.
1: And yeah, I mean, in the race, I mean, the, I mean, the incident that he had in the race, I was just like, what are you doing? Like that. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Again, that confidence
1: that, that that again is one of those things where it's just like, overdriving a bit, not really thinking too, too much, but I think for, for Logan definitely has been a learning season for sure. I could see Williams sticking with him though Mm -hmm. for next season. Um, And then everyone's like, well, why not put Liam Lawson? There's so many things that go into that. Yeah. I mean, I do feel that like, like Logan is a, is a really good, racing driver and you know people are going to make fun of him online and whatever but you know i've 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 known him for a long like for quite a while now that's like there is he's he is a really good driver man like Mm -hmm. just losing out of that f3 championship to oscar piastri like just Mm -hmm. and then again at the same time not knowing whether or not you're gonna race the next year like and then coming back and performing well again and like performing when you don't even know what your future looks like you have no idea yeah yep. so like I, I think for for a driver like Logan, i think he you, you give him another year like i think you do that like mm-hmm. just give him that second year see see what happens like if you are if it's not happening then obviously you go your separate ways and you bring somebody else in but at the same time i think if you're james vals you're coming into williams it's your first team principal job You want to put your stamp on this thing. I understand that these aren't the two drivers that you've chosen, but you you got a good one. One's incredible is at the top of his game right now. And the other one is from your, your driver pipeline, which you're trying to build. Mm -hmm. I don't think you can just go and, you know, scrap your pipeline like that.
0: Yeah. Agreed. Agreed. So, well, we'll see what happens with Williams coming up, but I do feel I, I feel good about Williams. I feel like they're in a good spot. And I would like to see them I would like to see them get close to Alpine in, in points. And I know it's really gonna be up to Albon to do that, but I I'd like to see them do it.
1: Yeah, I agree. Um We've pretty much covered everybody, so let's head mm-hmm. on over to uh the debrief and we'll take your questions from there. Uh shout out to at Wolf Cola forty <laughs> seven because they actually had asked us about the uh, Gasly Perez situation, mm-hmm. uh, so shout out to them um, from at the Ty Jager. Sorry if I keep pronouncing your name wrong, dude. Uh, I keep I'm not the greatest with names. Okay? It's so okay. There's nothing wrong with my, that. My your best. Um Question is: Will we have any fights for the race win again this season? If so, which circuit? that's a you uh, the, question Tim yeah for sure I mean I think Qatar is gonna be interesting mm-hmm. um I think like a track uh like Vegas will also be interesting only because of the temperature we don't know like how cold it's going to be there and that seems to you know really play havoc with a with a lot of the teams especially running uh the ride height where they have to sort of run it with these street circuits. And we've seen what happens now with Red Bull when, you know, you combine that tire temperature sort of window for some races, but then you look at the ride height level as well on a, on a track that we're not sure if it's going to be bumpy or not either. Mm-hmm. I mean, they are repaving it, but we'll have to wait and see. And I think Brazil, I think, I think Brazil is going to throw up, throw up a good race. Yeah. I, agree. I mean, they always do, but like, they I do. think, I, I honestly think like that could be also, a, um, a race where we could see something where we see a challenge. So thanks very much uh, for your question there, Ty. I really appreciate that Um, from the pacifist hockey fan. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) What weird way is max going to win the championship this year? It can't be normal. There has to be a penalty or some weird rule implemented.
0: He's going to win it in the sprint. Next Saturday, or no? night or, or not next Saturday, but the are following. You, are you calling it here? Yeah, he's winning it in the sprint. That's why it's weird. He won't. He won't win it in the race. He'll so win it in the sprint. It'll happen.
1: Yeah, I, I think so too. I mean, I, I, I don't. I don't think like for. I don't think like it would be. I want to see him winning on a Sunday.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: I don't want to see a Saturday sprint race champion
0: well i think you're about to <laughs> I, I, but, but you know what i mean though i'm like I, I like look it. like i yeah. i
1: wasn't a huge fan of the sprint race thing when they first sort of brought it up and now mm-hmm. i'm like it, it's okay i don't mind it i want them to sort of change the way the sprint works within a weekend i i actually don't really like that it's sort of its own standalone thing i like that they actually set the grid with that or it reminds me back of my karting days when you know you have your heats to set the to set the race grid and i Mm -hmm. I actually like that because you know getting these cars closer together which they are starting to become i mean we get some we get some pretty good entertainment out of that i just yeah Yeah. i don't know adam i don't (laughs) i i just want to see him winning on a sunday and like ah whatever okay yeah i get you i
0: completely get you
1: Uh, from Fiona, how short is Sergio Perez's leash, Checo's leash at this point?
0: Uh, man, Tim, another question for you. I can't be that short. (laughs) I think he's
1: okay. I think he's, yeah, yeah, I think he's okay. I don't necessarily see, um, I don't necessarily see them moving him out of the team, uh, this season, maybe not even next. Uh, I, I can see him finishing out the contract there, but again, like the performance thing. So if we start to see something similar starting to happen, you know, six races into next season, then I think there's probably going to be some questions that need to be answered and whether or not Sergio is there at that point, we'll, you know, we'll wait and see, but Northern neighbor asks Liam Lawson in 2024, question mark, super formula, question mark, F1 reserve, again, question mark. Would it even be worth it if Williams' second seat is available,
0: question mark? So it's a yes, yes, and a no.
1: Woo! Right? Well, Liam Lawson in 2024. So like for the super formula thing, Mm -hmm. he, he could possibly win that championship the uh, second in the driver standings, if I'm not mistaken, in, in that championship. So he still has a shot at winning it. I think Red Bull want him to win that. And then next season, no chance he's he's back in Super Formula because he's going to be on you know F1 test and reserve driver duty, uh, probably simulator work, a ton of it as well um, with them. And I think that's going to be his future in t- 2024. Uh, again, like we were talking about, I don't think – Williams uh tries to go after him. I I just don't see it, but mm-hmm. I mean who knows? We'll wait and see what happens on that end. But the statement that I did get on I believe it was Friday, um, from the team was that that's exactly where he's gonna be for next season, is gonna mm-hmm. be that test and reserve driver for both teams. So I mean we'll see what happens. Uh Adam, this has been a ton of fun, man. Yeah, uh, it's been
0: Great man! It's always fun to be on this show. I'm I'm excited. I'm I'm a, I'm bummed that we didn't get a uh, a Ferrari victory again. So you, I think Jesse got a, a banger episode last week yeah. because of it. But but listen, it if it's going to happen. I'm glad McLaren are two three. Okay,
1: <laughs> uh, Adam, let everybody know where they can find you, and uh, also what you guys have got going on on the STP.
0: Um, well, you can find me on the STP. You can find me on Agent Provocateur with Alan Walsh, um, Adam Wilde on Twitter, Adam Wilde on Instagram. And uh, what do we have coming up? I think, honestly, Tim, right now in hockey, it's overreaction season. So we're going to see the Leafs and the Senators, you know, take each other on in the next week or so in, in uh, preseason. I know the Senators are going to dress like their top line. And uh, Senators fans have just been crazy this year in terms of <laughs> like... Just, they're so excited and they're taking shots at the Canadians and taking shots at Leaf fans. And it's been, so it, it's going to be a really, really fun thing. And I think the Battle of Ontario is going to start up again this year for real, um, which I'm excited about. And I'm kind of pumped to see some of the new guys come in. And I think this this is going to be, this year, it's going to be one of the best new Leaf versions we've seen in a long, long time. I'm, I'm very excited for
1: this. I've been uh, watching a lot of uh, Agent Provocateur Huh? uh great podcast man like where did you guys get the name
0: uh that's alan alan <laughs> alan uh i think alan did like a radio hit in ottawa for tsn up there tsn 1200 and, and they used to call him Major provocateur so he, nice. he asked the host he's like can i use that for my pod and the guy was like yeah no problem and and that's how it came to be so you guys pretty, pretty had, cool
1: huh yeah you guys just had uh paul bisonette on
0: yeah 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 yeah, yeah. yeah. it was Heck good i watched are, the whole thing Oh, I'm glad. Well, I'm glad that it was a heck of a story, and I think you know, obviously, um, you know, Mike Babcock is is uh, about as radioactive as it gets in, cal- in 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 hockey, and I I was surprised that they hired him in the first place, uh, but so for this all that to, to transpire, um, although you could never have predicted that this was the thing that was going to bring him down, it felt like something was going to come eventually.
1: I actually, uh, I don't know. If- Paul Busenet would ever remember this, but Mm -hmm. I think it was I'm trying to remember what the year was. It might've been 2018. Uh, He was doing something with the Arizona coyotes.
0: Yeah. He was, I think he's been radio for them for a long time. Yeah. He
1: was doing, he was doing something and I was in LA working an event Mm -hmm. and I was on the last, I was heading into the last day of this event and I was staying at this hotel at this coffee shop underneath. it. It was really good. Uh, but anyways, I'd gone out the night before. I don't go out too many, I don't go out too much, but like, I I went out the night before, like it was the last night of us being in LA. Right. And so like, I had to like dress up for this event or whatever and it's early morning and I'm a little, you know, uh, my ties all jacked up and like, I'm down there trying to get coffee and this guy taps me on the shoulder. Like, he's like, Hey bud, he's like, let me fix your collar here. You know, you're all like, whatever. I turn around and it's, (laughs) (laughs) Called his like fixing my coffee. <laughs> <laughs> that's amazing Don't that is a funny story bit. yeah a long wow. time ago man and um yeah i got 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 my coffee and he got his stuff and, and left and i was just like oh my god like i because i knew who he was right yeah like, sure sure <laughs> I knew exactly that's who funny. He was. yeah yeah it was, yeah it was cool man he was uh yeah. He was a nice That's guy. Cool. He was a nice guy. It was cool. Yeah. So That's anyways, I, cool. I watched that episode. It was a really good episode. Adam. It was really good. <laughs> oh,
0: yeah, I'm, I'm glad to hear it. it. Thank you. Thank again, you. all Alan time. on that one. I'm just, I'm just a passenger. I am the Sergio Perez to his Max Verstappen. <laughs>
1: <laughs> well, buddy, thanks again for uh, taking the time to do this. Really appreciate it. If you want more Nailing the Apex, you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. You can also watch us on YouTube as well. You can follow, follow me on social media at tim haraney and we will be back later this week with more nailing the apex so we'll talk to y'all later